On today's episode of More Important Issues, we talk some Vol basketball. Uh, we look back at the West Virginia game and their upcoming game against South Carolina. We talk some Vol football recruiting with Matt Ray of Vol Recruiting Reports. We look at some Tennessee football news. We have NFL and some Super Bowl talk, as well as season-ending awards. Today's segments include Most Important of the Week and Fail of the Week. More Important Issues is brought to you by MyBookie. It's now Super Bowl time. It's the best betting time of the year, guys. Get on the action with MyBookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends are around watching the games this year uh, when the 53rd Super Bowl is around the corner. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win. Ownership really cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, and if you want to make money during bowl season, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. If you join now, MyBookie will offer you a 50% uh, deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for bowl season. Use promo code ISSUE when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code ISSUE, I-S-S-U-E. Head on over to MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Rid it, dit to do, and welcome into more important issues. It is Monday, January 28th. I'm Caleb Mitchell. Joining me, Landon Raby. Vols are still number one. When we record this, they'll be number one. When you're hearing this, they'll be number one. They'll be number one for at least another week, win or lose. So that's good. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of cool how those polls work out for basketball. I mean, I'd love to just, you know, be number one for three weeks straight, but I'll take two. I'm not going to be greedy. Number one in your polls, number one in your heart. Um, absolutely. Definitely a tough week coming up and, and, you know, a harder week, a harder week last week than we originally thought. Um, Vandy played a really good game against us. I don't think people are giving them enough credit for what they did. I think if you, if I just watched that game and you told me they were the worst team in the SEC, I wouldn't believe you. Oh yeah. I mean, we play, think about the teams we played before them who definitely looked a lot worse. And I think you even said that. Um, at one point that they did, they were not the worst SEC team we played. No, I, I mean I think they're probably the best. I mean yeah. maybe Alabama, but other than that, right? They're definitely one or two. Yeah, and uh, West Virginia, they didn't look great. I mean I thought they looked bad towards the end of the game, but I mean they started off hot at least, yeah. which helped them. Um, but I mean I think they showed that they were the West Virginia team that we all thought they were, and the West Virginia team that shouldn't have beat Kansas, and yeah, it just looked like kind of how we expected. Obviously, it did start off slow, um, but I mean, even I think Tennessee didn't play a great game start to finish. They, you know, they had a lot of good minutes here and there. Um, Grant Williams played another great game that actually earned him uh, SEC Player of the Week, and um, uh, he was someone else's Player of the Week. Uh, is it Andy Katz? CBS. Play- yeah, he's with CBS. Um, player of the Week. So getting plenty of honors, not just from the Vandy game, but he also carried that over and had a solid solid game against West Virginia. Um, that just kind of proved that he's going to be that guy that's pretty consistent night in, night out. Yeah. So he's there to give you twenty points a game if you'll let him. Absolutely. I think he's averaging just over nineteen points a game. I don't know what the, the it's, final is. It's, it's the most o- in it's over twenty. It is. It's yeah. the most in the SEC. I do know that. Yeah. And you're talking about this week how he won player of the week, averaged thirty one points in those two games last week. So there you go. And can't deny him that he's a he's definitely the SEC player of the week. Definitely. And you look at you look at this roster as a whole, not a whole or this roster against West Virginia as a whole. Um not a, you know, we had guy, we had Lamonte Turner show up, um, which you know his his plays just 
him coming back against Georgia was his first game back is huge. Um, and, and then he got the start this week. We've talked about it. We just don't see how East Pond will, Ponds will be able to keep up the keep up in the starting line. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah, he gives us some defensively. Gives us, a, I'll say, he gives us a lot defensively, but really nothing offensively, um, and that's kind of hurt us. And then um, you you just know that Lamonte Turner's a good guard, and uh, on not on both ends, but the defensive end as well. Bones a good guard. You have a lot of guys who can play defense on this team. Yeah. Um, so. And I'm not saying you know Pawns may get the start on Tuesday night. Just depending, uh, Barnes talked about the matchup, um, and they're lengthy, so I could see it. But I, I, I expect someone else to be there. Probably Turner, just because we're liking how Bowden comes off the bench. He has another 15 points on Saturday coming off the bench. Yeah, and, and Turner, like you said, coming off the or not coming off the bench actually. Um, you know, he's a guy that you thought that could be in the starting role at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, and let Bowden come off the bench. And, you know, I think this is the best lineup we have. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it, it does get a little iffy if you, if you have a, a, a really good uh, – when you play really good teams, it could get iffy just because um, size matchups like that. Uh, but, you, you know, at the same time, Grant Williams can kind of guard anyone he wants to on the floor outside of a really quick guard. He can guard just about anyone, so yeah. that that helps. Kyle Alexander's kind of coming to his own and, and been able to – the rim protector he's become, um, he's able to guard just about any five in the country. Uh, and then, like we said, Lamont, you know, Lamonte Turner's – he's good. And yeah. Yeah, Jordan Jordan Bone can can keep up with uh, just about anybody's point guard. He, he can guard just about anybody's. Um, yeah, so, I think until somebody proves that they can um, overpower Turner physically, you know, size-wise, that – you, you keep him as a yeah, starter. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think this is right now our best starting lineup um, just because Pons doesn't give us anything offensively. He didn't He didn't register a single stat uh, Saturday. For, I mean, he only played 10 minutes, but still. Hey, he got two fouls. He did, he did have two <laughs> fouls, that, yes. Um, he, yeah, he just, just doesn't give us enough. And, uh, you know, not that he, he, he can probably – you know, he is a good player off the bench, especially if we need someone to go down, go and slow somebody down. Um, definitely gives us a lot there. I think, though, we talked about this. I think really the only time he comes into the game now is is to face guard somebody that's just beating us, um, you know, being quick. Yeah, he, but- he he struggles guarding when he's trying to help in that zone. He needs to face yeah. guard. He need you know it's when somebody's someone like Saban Lee is just absolutely thrashing us that he needs to come in and it's just you don't leave him. Yeah, and I th- I think that's about the only time he, he plays. definitely has trouble losing a guy when he doesn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. That, that that's why I think. At this point, unless he just gets better there, and I think he has the ability to, um, he just doesn't need to be helping in the zone. And I know some, I know we play that little matchup zone quite a bit, um, so that's you know that may be tough to go away from. But that's why you have people like Lamonte Turner, um, Jordan Bowden that can do that. And Jordan Bowden just as good a, de- a defender as Lamonte Turner. Yeah. So and, he, and he's longer as well. Yeah, and and I, I like uh, you know Derek Walker finally looked athletic the other day, and, and he looked there still made I think at least. He had three fouls. I think he had at least one really dumb foul um, that I, you know, you're asking what is he doing, um, but he gave us a little bit more in his nine minutes. Yeah. So again, guys, Derek Walker, Pawns, um, you know, they're improving throughout the year, and, and hopefully they'll just they'll just keep giving us more. Um, we'll, we'll see as the as the as the year progresses uh, farther into conference play, um, and then you know it hurt on Saturday too that Kyle Alexander just man fouled out quick. We yeah. both of us were just sitting there, like I mean, we knew he had a lot. We just didn't realize he had already reached five. Yeah, 
Um, but you know, in the I thought he had three blocks. They only got him listed as two. Um, didn't didn't give us a whole lot before he fouled out of the game, but only played 12 minutes. Um, so I guess when you consider the 12 minutes he played, the four rebounds, two blocks, and two points is decent. Right. Um, and then Schofield's still trying to get out of that shooting slump. Finally, you know, he hit a a three at a I think a pretty, you know, it was close I think at that point, which is good for him. And we've talked about it. If you're gonna let him win you game shooting, you kind of gotta let him shoot out of the slump. You can't ask him to. The only time I hate when he's shooting right now is when it's early in the shot clock and it's not a, it's not a shot that needs to go. Yeah. Um. You know there were there's a there's a time that he he ran off a screen a ball screen, and, or it was, sorry it was an off ball screen. He caught it and shot. He was open. He missed it. We gotta just trust him to shoot those until he gets out of the slump. Yeah, right I now. think two or three of those on Saturday were wide open threes yeah. that you're like. You got to take, and he is the green light from Rick Barnes to do so. So he must be doing well in practice. Um, you know, he just got to get it out of his mind that yeah, you know, he can hit those shots. Absolutely, yeah. As long as they're not forced, and they're you know, I I, I do remember one that I felt like he pulled up for no, you know, really there, well, there was no reason to pull up. It wasn't a forced shot. It wasn't wasn't like it was late in the shot clock and you had to get it off. I think there was only one that I can recall that I just thought was bad shot selection. Yeah. Um, so, but as far as that goes, just let him shoot out of it. Hopefully, Tuesday night rolls around and you know he's ready to go. And I don't know how he's shooting in warmups. We haven't watched him. I don't know, like you said, what it's like in practice right now. Surely it's pretty good. I mean, Rick Barnes trusted him with the last shot at Vanderbilt. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know he wasn't shooting great. Um, yeah. But that last one was was supposed to go to him to have the last shot. So. Um, Obviously, he, he just impacts the game in so many ways as well. He, you know, had a block, had a steal, two assists, ten rebounds. So ended up with a double double Saturday. Um, he he just gives his team a little bit of an edge. I was about to say what he did better Saturday than he did Wednesday night was when he realized my shots aren't falling. He got inside and, and worked, yeah, and gave this team a lot. Um, whereas Wednesday, I feel like it took him longer to get inside. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept trying to shoot his way out, shoot his way out, and then finally was like, all right. You know, now I'm just going to work the ball inside. I felt like that happened faster on Saturday. The yep. shots weren't falling. He said, "Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go hit him in low," um, which then in turn got him a lot of rebounds um, and really, really helped him out a lot. Uh, I don't know. You know, same case of Tuesday. If he's not hitting, we got to look to to get him in there. And because, like you said, he impacts the game in so many ways yeah. that he can he can help us out a lot there. And he's just a vocal leader, and I think that. To have one of those on the court at all times is is big in itself. Right, absolutely. We had four, and throughout the game, I mean, Bowden, man, just the way he's playing right now. We had four guys in double digits. Three three were starters. Um, this team is playing good basketball right now. And, yeah, we start, you know, and a lot of people are kind of telling a lot of all fans to relax during the slow start. Um, and, you know, to an extent, I agree, to an extent. Um, but it kind of sucks that, the last two games, we started really – well, we started fast against Vandy. Then we cooled off pretty quickly. Yeah. But the times that we're in slumps – so West Virginia was the first five minutes. Vandy was the second five minutes. The team shoots so hot. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that – you've talked about it throughout the year. I think a lot of that is our ability to guard the three. And there were times against West Virginia that I felt like, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're definitely hot. And they're up by 12 at one point. And I think something that we need to do better is, you know, letting letting the run play out. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to when they hit a three, we don't have to run down and try to hit a three on our end. Right, just go score. Yeah, get your points. Because because like you said last week, we have the ability to score on every drop. Yeah, on, I, on every possession. I think one of the keys to that is it's it's gotta. 
I'm going to try to say this right. It's got to go through Grant in some capacity, whether, you know, you're trying to work a pass, even if you don't necessarily get the pass into him, you know, you're making guys move to him. He, yeah. He's drawing, he's drawing defenders in some way. Um, and then hopefully it can touch his hands because that's definitely going to draw at least two defenders. Right. And then you, he can either, he can either go and score or he can, he can create assists. You talked about him being one of the best uh, bigs at passing. He can create plays down low. Um, and this West Virginia team, they did a pretty good job. I thought they, um, for what they have. I mean, we talked about it on uh, Wednesday's, yeah, Wednesday's episode about you know what they needed to do to be successful and kind of how they could counteract us. And I thought they went in and did that. Ahmad did a good job as a team. They had thirty-seven rebounds. He had seven of those. They they team rebounded, and um, Culver off the bench had fifteen points. Um, and their guards played, you know, decent. And they you know they limited they limited the. Um, um, mistakes in the first half, and I think we just came out and created in the second half and forced turnovers. And we yeah. played our brand of basketball in the second half. I think is what it boils down to. And it started to come together at the end of the first <laughs> half. We got on that run there, and then it just carried over, and we we overwhelmed them. Yeah, when they were up twelve, we went on that twenty-four two run, yeah. and then went up ten at halftime. That um, that was all she wrote. Yeah, it was over at that point. Uh, they we definitely came out. We came out firing uh, on all cylinders, defensively, offensively, and just just ran away with it. And they didn't have an answer. And then we, I think we got a lot of guys in, in foul trouble too um, for West Virginia. And, uh, you know, they were frustrated by it, and, and it was tough. And that's, that's a, I think that's a key for this Tennessee team is to get guys in foul trouble. And I don't think it's necessarily that calls are always going our way. I think it's just that we get so physical. Um, you know, if you aren't making the right plays, you're going to foul us. Yeah. So I, I don't – I'm not – I feel like we've had the, you know, the good end of the refereeing for the most part. Um, you know, I don't feel like I've seen a game where we've just been absolutely cheated. There's been some bad calls throughout, but there's never been a case where I'm like, golly, that just that was yeah. terrible. Um, if it's terrible, it's usually terrible both ways. And but we we they've done a good job of I think officiating Grant Williams this year. Um, I think he's only fouled out twice, right? Yeah, something like so, that. So done a good job of officiating him because I mean he's a physical dude. So we we've got to continue being physical in the paint. And and if Grant's gonna foul out. I guarantee you the guy across them is going to foul out too. Yeah, and when we're getting calls like that, you know, <clears throat> offensive fouls, you know, any little momentum that we have, we build on that. Yeah. Um, and when we see blood, we go after it. We get out in transition. Um, and I think that's where we're most dangerous is we're an athletic team. Um, you know, we're not, you know, we're physical, um, but we're not just like, like so like physically – Gifted, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're, we don't have the the huge guy. We don't have a seven foot, three hundred pound big man like Azabuki. Right. Um, we have six eleven, one hundred eighty pound Kyle Alexander. Yeah, yeah. And I think Frank Martin said this. I believe it was Frank Martin. It might have been uh, Bob Huggins. Just talked about how Grant Williams plays. It's like once he gets the ball, he's he's not six eight, six nine. He's as tall as he wants to be, as big as he wants to be. He just goes yeah. down there and grinds. And, I mean, Kyle's kind of had some of that this year, really working guys in down low and that turnaround jump shot, that turnaround hook that he's had, it's looked pretty. Yeah. Um, and then by he, the end of the games, a, a six eight guy looks seven foot yeah. by the end of it when he when he's pounding you in the paint like that. Right. I mean, like we've we talked about it since we've been previewing basketball and into basketball season, how Grant Williams doesn't play his size. If you told me, he, I think he's listed at 6'9", 6'10", on in, whatever website you look on. If you ask me last year, especially how big Grant Williams is, I'm going to tell you he's got to be like seven foot. I mean, he's got to be just a, he plays long. He, he's he's really good at that. And um, I mean, 
I don't see how he's not right now a favorite to win the national gym, national player of the year. Yeah. He's got to be. Because, I mean, he's performed not in, not out, and then it helps that your team's been on top 99% yeah. of the time. I mean, I think it's a two-man race. It's it, yeah. Him and Zion. And it's probably going to come down to who kind of performs, you know, conference yeah. tournaments at the end of the year. And I think it also helps that Zion's going to win the, the freshman of the year. Yeah, hey, so that's that true. Might just like, awesome. eh, man, he's the, already gotten away. You know, people were talking about how weak the SEC is this year. Is the ACC really, like, that strong this year? Like, I feel like it's just Duke. And, I'm, I mean, it helps that Duke's that much better than everybody, so it makes everyone else look worse. But Virginia. Virginia. Sorry, I forgot about Virginia. Yeah. Duke and Virginia. So, I mean, like, yeah. but usually I feel like that's a – Four or five team race, and it's just not. You know, everyone else has kind of been really up and down. If they've been up, they've, they've been really short ups. And I, I um, think that the, it definitely beats up on itself. And I feel like it's yeah. kind of the same as the SEC as well. They kind of beat up the middle of the pack teams, beat up on each other, right? And, and you have the top teams. You have Tennessee, you have Kentucky, um, and then the LSU ACC. maybe this year. Yeah, and then you have the ACC. You got. Virginia, Duke, North Carolina's looks like they found a little bit um, to get back on track. So I think they're number nine right now. So they have like three teams in the top ten. I thought North Carolina got beat pretty bad this week though. This weekend, Mm-mm. oh, who'd they play? Uh, Georgia? No, I don't. Know. That was Duke. I thought I thought I saw that they got they got beat pretty good. So I must have read that wrong. Um, but yeah, this—I mean, Tennessee. We talked about it on Wednesday. You just got to go take care of business at this point. Um, on Saturday against West Virginia, it's a game you should win by double digits. Um, they just about did. Uh, they won by seventeen. So, or we talked about it almost winning. You know, almost a twenty-point game. Tech, okay, number ten Virginia Tech at the time. Um, we talked about how you know this is a game that you know you can win by twenty. Uh, you, you need to win it by double digits, and they did that. They went. They went in and took care of business, and. Um, you know they're going to hang on to that number one ranking as long as they can. Now, when you look at Tuesday, taking care of business, I, I just don't think West Virginia is that good. Um, I thought there were things they could have done well that could have given us trouble, and they I thought they did those things well for the most part. Um, but they, I didn't think they were good enough to beat us. At least no. we talked about that. Yeah, and in the second half, you're like, man, this team's bad. Yeah, and so I, I just you know that losing to West Virginia wasn't a concern. Them giving us trouble was a concern, and they kind of. It's hard to say they really gave us trouble. The start of the game was weird. I think Grant had two turnovers in the first five minutes that were just very uncharacteristic. Yeah, I think um, Bone had some as well. Yeah, Bone had some really dumb plays. It took him a minute to get us right. uh, to get tight into the game. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Tennessee took care of business on uh, Saturday, kind of much better than they did Wednesday. Again, Vandy played well. I'm not going to overlook that. But looking at Tuesday, um, you know, it's going to take a I think a really good game from us to beat this South Carolina team just because they're hot right now. Looking at them. The they're five and one in SEC play with one win coming over Auburn, um, in in that SEC play, uh, and Mississippi State. Sorry, so you know their only losses to LSU. That was pretty early on in their in their uh, go around, I believe. No, it's about mid pack, midway through the pack. Um, but I mean they they look like a pretty solid team. Um, they've they almost beat Oklahoma State this this past Saturday. Um, just got kind of beat down at the wire. They had the game tied up at one point. Um, they're ten and nine overall. I think they're third in the SEC, I believe, right now in the rankings. They've got they've got a lot of good players, and I I was surprised that this team started off so slow. They've got some really bad losses at the beginning of the year: um, Wofford, Stony Brook, and Providence, uh, Wyoming. But then they you know they have losses to Michigan and Virginia. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but the, then they go beat teams. 
uh, in Florida. They beat a Mississippi State team they weren't supposed to beat. They beat uh, an Auburn team they weren't supposed to beat. So they de- they're definitely up and down. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're sound by yeah. any means, but I think they're a good team. Yeah, um, I think they're similar to Vanderbilt in, a, in some kind of aspect. I think um, Frank Martin's a great coach. If you look a couple of years ago, he had a average – South Carolina team make it to the Final Four. Yeah. Um, so I think they're gritty. Um, I think they're very streaky. I, they've hit or they shot twenty over 25 threes the past two games. So that kind of worries me a little bit um, in the fact that we have trouble with, you know, streaky shooters. We always get their right. their, their best shot. I think, And I think the big thing with that is you just got to come out of the gate and really be locked in because I feel like the big thing with West Virginia is like the first two threes were one in their face. Yeah. Um, and then after that, they were hot. So it was like even when we were covering them, playing good D, it just wasn't good enough at that yeah. point. So I think the big – like you said, don't let them get into those grooves because then who knows what could happen. Especially, yeah. you know, with the way this team plays, they rebound really well too. Um, they, they're they averaging 37 rebounds a game. And I think kind of the big thing that stands out for me uh, for the South Carolina team is that they rebound as a team. You don't have guys going in every night and getting – Double digit rebounds all the time. Um, it's it's a team effort when they go in and rebound. Yeah. So that that's an impressive aspect for me. But I mean, they're definitely looking for their playmakers um, down low and Chris and Chris Silva, um, and then AJ Lawson, their guard. Yeah. It's gonna take a good good game from Bone or Lamonte. I imagine Lamonte will probably guard him from tip off, and uh, gonna take a good defensive game from them to uh, slow him down. He's he's been pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, throughout the year, I think they're very athletic. Um, one thing that I've noticed just kind of watching them over the past couple of weeks is they foul a lot. Um, so they are aggressive. You know, they're they're going to swipe at the ball, try to steal it. Um, but I think Grant Williams will definitely have a big game if they're willing to foul him. Yeah. That's, that's an automatic two at the line. It's very true. And Bone, Bone's gotten to that point where he's really aggressive, so I'm sure he can draw some fouls. So we'll probably need a big game from him from the line yep. um, if that's going to be the case. Uh, looking at their Oklahoma State game, they had three guys in double digits, and they didn't go away by any means. Like I said, they had it tied up at seventy with, um, you know, not a lot of time remaining. So it's definitely going to be it's going to be a dogfight to the end. Um, this game and it doesn't really help. We'll talk about Saturday, uh, the next episode, but this week's tough. And you're the number one team. You're getting everyone's best shot. South Carolina's not going to be any different. They. You mentioned the grittiness of this team and, and the gritty and the grittiness of Frank Martin. He kind of instills that uh, tenacity and that phys- physicality in them. Yeah. So I'm sure they're looking at this um, as a chance to knock off the number one team, uh, not only the number one team in the nation, but an SEC opponent and um, you know, kind of as of late, an SEC rival in just athletics and football and basketball because we've kind of been the same. Yeah. Um, so definitely, they're I'm sure they're looking at this as a chance to knock off. Um, a rival in, yeah. in that I think it's good that we've already played a true away game ranked number one. Yeah. You know, I, oh, I sure. think there's so much expectation with that. Um, you're able to get past Vanderbilt somehow. Um, and then you, you went at home against West Virginia. You've already played a road game. You've played in a hostile environment. You know, you should go out there and just play your brand of basketball and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, South Carolina is no stranger to um, – to knocking off a you know upsetting someone they Auburn just recently I think a lot of people expected Auburn to go in take care of business run the table and they went in there and and I think beat them by four 
Um, and another game, they had 40 rebounds. Silva had 32 points, though, and carried that team. Um, also with 14 rebounds. And their bench as a whole had 23 points. I think one positive thing for Tennessee this year in every game they've played is that their bench is – I'm not going to say every game because I haven't looked at the stat sheet. Most games, I can confidently say that, that our bench has outscored their bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually on the on the back of Jordan Bowden or Lamonte Turner, but still – um, the fact that we have sixth, seventh man coming off and scoring plenty of points for us is huge. Yeah, because it's it's really tough to slow down a team that's doing that. Yeah, and if you're able to, you know, like you said, slow them down, uh, you you could find yourself blowing out South Carolina because yeah. you know look at LSU, they took away everything they wanted to do. Right, they couldn't do. Um, they got blown out by 22 points. Yeah, and we, you know, I think. Uh, shutting down Silva down low in the paint is big. And the way Kyle Alexander's been playing, Saturday's an anomaly so far. Um, he definitely has the ability to do that. Been a great rim protector, and he's not shot away from contact down in the paint. Yeah. Um, so if he can stay out of foul trouble, which normally he does, that, that's very abnormal for him, especially that early in the game. Um, that'll help a ton. But but you still have Grant Williams to pick up the um, you know pick up the slack if, if Kyle can't do it by himself. And then you have um, you know John Fulkerson, who if anything is going to come in and create at least uh, chaos. And, and if you need a couple fouls to <laughs> make him nervous, bring Derek Walker in because he'll definitely foul somebody. Yeah. And I, I was, I tweeted it today of kind of what Tennessee has. And if you look at the past national championships or even the past like Final Four teams, they have all the stuff that Tennessee has. You know, they have a good rim protector, they have good defenders, um, they have a, a deep bench, they have a superstar in Grant Williams. Yeah. Um, and guys that can go rebound the basketball and come in and get quality minutes. They have a good point guard, um, guys that can hit the three. So, I mean, they have it all. You know, it's just putting it together, not in and not out. Yeah, and that the not in, not out. This week's big. I expect us to drop um, two or three SEC games. We talked about that before we got into conference play. You just got to expect to drop some conference games. Um these conference games aren't ideal. It's going to be tough. You're on the back of a six-game winning streak in SEC play. Uh, I think 14, 15-game winning streak is a team total. Um, you're number one. You've traveled both these nights, uh, Saturday, Tuesday and Saturday. It's, this isn't an easy stretch. and, and Not that it'll get easier because we've talked about how you get everyone's best night, but these aren't the games you want to drop just because there's some on your schedule that you're going to point out and say, those I could really see us dropping. Um, I think this will kind of determine whether you drop two or three or, or four or five SEC games um, and how you perform tonight because, um, I, you know, you just kind of expect to split them with Kentucky. Uh, you know, you, you, that, that you expect at least that. You, you still have Vanderbilt, who I, I imagine wherever we're ranked when we see him just because of the last contest is going to give you a good shot. Um, you have Florida left on the schedule. You play South Carolina again. This is a tough, this is a tough, tough stretch that you play Ole Miss, who yeah, they just had a really bad loss this past weekend. Um, but they've been playing pretty well, especially in SEC play. Ideally you don't drop these games and, and you talked about this team has what it takes to, to be one of the better ones. This is a really good chance to I think some people are still doubting whether we're number one. You've got two road games back to back. Time to really kind of go set your set your name in stone. Especially if you win just one of them, that's huge. But if you win both of them, I think you submit yourself as just as good as any team in the country, if not better. And I want to say just as good because you still have Duke and Virginia, who I think are quality, quality teams that will be there in the Final Four. Yeah. Um, Michigan has, you know, has the ability to be there in the Final Four. Um, there's other, you know, there's there's other teams that can definitely, definitely put be there when it's all said and done. 
Um, plenty of Big Ten teams, and then yeah, I, I this is a ch- I'm excited because I think this I think they have the ability to win both games, and it'll cement cement them as cement them as the number one team. Yep. So it's scaring me too how hot Kentucky is. That was a big. I mean, I know Kansas wasn't fully healthy and stuff, but that's a big win. Yeah. So it, it'll be rocking come March. Yeah. And yeah. Knoxville. If anybody's wanting to give me, if anybody's wanting to give me their Kentucky tickets, I'm in. By the way, yeah. And, uh, I feel like it's you know keep going on these road games. It's like a ton. Just keep keep taking over land. Yeah. There you go. I like claim that. it. Take it. <laughs> it's yours. Uh, I like that. Um, if I'm trying to get tickets to the Kentucky game, I really don't want to buy them. They're super expensive. Um, but if you're going to any UT game this year or concert or whatever, we've got a deal for you. Yeah, let me tell you uh, about our friends over at TickSplits, the official ticket provider, the Armchair Media Network. Unlike other ticket providers that sneak in extra fees and unexplained service charges, at TickSplits, the price you see is the price you pay. Unnecessary fees shouldn't prevent you from seeing the sporting event, concert, or Broadway show of your choosing. Go to TickSplits.com and enter promo code ARMCHAIR at checkout to receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z dot com. Promo code armchair. Tick splits, guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. Guys, go check them out. Get it while they're hot. Check them out. Best place to get your UT tickets, especially this year because they are... They're hard to get. They're hard to get, <laughs> so you better use it. Um, use it now. Uh, we've Now we've got... We're going to jump into an interview real quick. We've got one with Vol Recruiting. About to get them on. So here's our interview with Matt Ray of Vol Recruiting. We welcome on now Matt Ray of Vol Recruiting Report. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Matt. Um, So we want to get you on, um, talk about recruiting, because that's the big topic coming um, other than basketball season right now. Um, It looks like Tennessee might have – three spots left in this class, you know, there might be some switching around or stuff like that. But, um, you know, what are your predictions on who Tennessee gets and who Tennessee misses on? You know, going here into the final weeks of 2019, um, everything like you mentioned is getting really tight. Um, It's getting really hard to tell who's going to be a take and who's not. Obviously, Darnell Wright is the top target at this point, and I would expect him to add to the class. Um, outside of that, the only other for sure take that I see is going to be Henry Toyota, and that's going to be a battle. Um, not sure that we're going to be able to add him. I think Oregon could be a dark horse team there. It appears he is going to give them an official visit the last weekend here before signing day, and then Alabama is still very much a factor after his official visit. Um, Jimmy Robinson's trending back to South Carolina, which I I don't find that big of a shock right now. Uh, Tennessee's pretty full at defensive back. and done a really good job of bringing in a pretty good class this time. I do think they have some interest in Robinson, and it could depend on how the numbers shake out, but I think they would like to add Wright to Oito or Christopher Russell, the in-state linebacker, and probably another defensive lineman. And when you start looking at the defensive lineman, that's likely going to be Christian Williams or uh, Jakeem Green, the junior college prospect that's currently committed to South Carolina. Charles Moore was a a viable option at one point, but the last time I spoke to him, he will not be. 
taken an official visit to Tennessee and they have they've backed off of him so it looks like they're a non-factor in that recruitment right now so I would expect it to be probably right a linebacker and probably another defensive lineman okay good deal um so it so you, you talk about Christian Williams you know what kind of happened with that recruitment I, I know kind of um things were heavy um, and then they kind of slowed down a lot. Now they're kind of picking back up. Is it just because we need another defensive lineman or what kind of happened with that from the, the in-state prospect from Memphis? I'm not sure what really happened there, to be honest with you. It it was – they were heavy on him coming out of the summer. Um, things really slacked off. A couple of times I talked to him, he wasn't hearing from Tennessee except maybe once every other week. Um, last I heard from him, they had picked back up. They had been about a school. They wanted to get the official visit lined up. So I'm thinking it may be more of a need thing now. But now Jakeem Green's in the picture, so it's going to be interesting to see how how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And um, could you see anybody maybe like – maybe we get into the mix last minute, maybe get on campus kind of like Crouch did um, right before early signing period? At this point, there's no names that I see that are really going to probably pop up and get back on campus. George Pickens, um, a lot of people thought that Tennessee may get his last visit. There's some there's some great issues there. When I was in Orlando for the Under Armour game, the buzz around Orlando was that Pickens may not end up eligible and that he wasn't really helping his cause. So Tennessee can't afford to miss completely at that spot and bringing in D'Angelo Gibbs. Obviously, he's probably going to have to sit out a year, but he still fills that receiver spot for when they're going to need it, which is going to be next year. I don't think they're going to take a chance on Pickens right now. They could, but it'll just be interesting how that shakes out. He would be the one that I would think you may could see pop up on campus, but I'm not 100% sure that you would even see him pop up. Another name is Mark Anthony Richards. Um, He had Tennessee in his top five at one point. I don't know. That that top five seems to be pretty fluid right now because he ended up taking an official visit to Georgia and they were not in there. Um, he's a top 100 prospect, kind of a do-it-all back out of the backfield, can line up in a slot if need be. He could pop up and end up on an official visit, but, I, again, I wouldn't look for it. There's really nobody at this point that I see kind of buzzing in uh, at last minute. So Chris Chris Bogle is out of it. Correct, because that that was the one name that he he kept you know mentioning Tennessee and his Twitter and everything like that. So is that is that ship sailed at this point? I believe that ship has sailed. It looks like Tennessee's back backed off of him as well. Not sure, not sure why there, but he's a guy that when I normally reach out, he's normally always very responsive. There's been no communication on that end, and normally a lot of guys lock it up closer to time, but even right up till time for his announcement at the All-American game, still some communication there, you know, still Tennessee was the, was in the picture, and obviously I, I guess he told the NBC crew that Tennessee was the choice about an hour before he went up and picked Alabama, but it appears that ship sailed right now. Yeah, I, I read about that, and that's a, that's a crazy situation that happened. But, you know, anything can happen when it comes to recruiting. Um, but Tennessee has had two big um, weekends hosting 2020 recruits. You know, where 
What are some of these guys that are in state? Where do you see kind of them going? And is Tennessee a big factor in a bunch of those guys? Tennessee's a big factor right now in state. There's a there's a lot of buzz about Tennessee in state right now. Um, Keyshawn Lawrence, the Innsworth prospect, is probably a lot higher on Tennessee's board than a lot of people think. He's measuring in about six two, one ninety five. Projects to play cornerback at the next level. Um, exactly what Jeremy Pruitt's looking for in his defense. They're prioritizing him. They recently got Tyler Barron. Um, they're in on Tyler Barron pretty heavily right now. He was a teammate of Lawrence's at Innsworth. He's now at Knoxville Catholic, which is going to ramp up his recruitment. He's the son of Patrick Abernathy, who is on staff at Tennessee right now. So they have an upper upper hand there. So they're really going to probably play those two off of each other. And there's a lot of buzz for Tennessee around that. Um, a trio of in-state offensive linemen in Bryn Tucker, Amari Thomas, and Marcus Henderson. The one that I don't feel that Tennessee is trending in the right direction with right now is Tucker. I thought Virginia Tech was probably probably in the lead at one point last week, but right now Clemson is a major player. They got Tucker on campus. They offered. Um, it, it appears they made a major move in his recruitment, but Thomas – and Henderson are both very high on Tennessee right now, and Tennessee is probably higher on both of those both of those guys than they are Tucker at this point. So I could see Tennessee landing at least two out of the three there. Yeah, that, I mean that'll be big. Just adding to that offensive line, um, and you have those guys that are in your backyard right now with Brian Tucker. You have Cooper Mays. You have Elijah Young, who, uh, and like you said, Tyler Barron has transferred to Knoxville Catholic. Um, you know, just those – T. Hodge is, is from Maryville as well. So, just those guys that are right in your backyard, you know, if, if you need the spots, they're there. Yeah, and Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays is a lot a lot higher on the Tennessee board than people think. Cooper Mays has a really high football IQ. He was down some weight, had, um, had a stomach problem uh, after his sophomore year, lost some weight. He's put his weight back on, stayed in the weight room, had a really good junior season for Catholic, and he's a guy that Tennessee thinks that they can move inside the center and losing Brandon Kennedy. They, they're probably going to need a guy with a high football IQ inside, even though Jackson Lampley could eventually translate to that role. I think they would like to see Cooper Mays there, and he could see the field early if he ends up at, if he ends up at Tennessee. Yeah, and then talk about some out-of-state guys. Um in this 2020 class, what are what are some out-of-state guys that Tennessee is really big on right now? Out-of-state guys, um, there's a couple that, that I have at the top of my board for Tennessee, but they, the main guy who's probably going to end up making a strong push for the number one player in this class is uh, Justin Rogers. He's from Oak Park, Michigan, uh, currently ranked per 247 as the number one offensive guard in the class. Come to the Under Armour camp, the 2020 Future 50 camp in Florida, determined that he was going to play as a defender because he wanted a chance to go up against the best offensive lineman and absolutely dominated the camp. At one point, he was 12 for 12 on reps against some of the best linemen in the country for 2020. Tennessee's very high on him. He's hearing from the staff consistently. Pruitt's kind of leading the charge there with Winky as the primary recruiter, I guess you could say. Um, they really like him. Um, he's high on a lot of people's board as well. George is a major player there. He has a desire to play in the SEC, though, and he wants to play now. So Tennessee 
has that availability, which is what they're going to sell to this 2020 class. And it, I think it could be a two-team battle between Tennessee and Georgia. Another player um, ranked a little bit higher than Rogers right now is Eric Gilbert from Marietta. He's a teammate of Harrison Bailey's and Ramel Keaton. Listed as an athlete, 6'5", 250, runs smooth, crisp routes, uh, great pass rusher, likely plays tight end at the next level. He's a guy that can really change an offense for you, especially um, especially at Tennessee. He's a guy they could flex into the slot and really create a mix, uh, mismatches with a lot of linebackers. Georgia's a major player there, but Tennessee has Keaton and Bailey on board, so we'll be very interested to see what they're able to do with that. Yeah, and you talk about Bailey and, and Antonio Barber. Um, you know, is Tennessee kind of lock those guys down, or do you see, you know, teams kind of going um, and maybe trying to flip those here soon? I covered Harrison's recruitment back in November, and he is – he is adamant that it's Tennessee. He has been there the past two weekends at least, maybe back next weekend. He's really he's really vocal on this class right now. There's some out-of-state guys that he was recruiting hard. One of the top receivers in the country was King Jarrett. He's on him hard. Mitchell Mays, the top player from the state of North Carolina, he's on him hard. So Harrison Harrison's pretty well locked in at Tennessee and – he knows that he can go there and push for the playing time regardless of who is still on campus. And I think Harrison's locked in. Barber, he's the longest commit in the 2020 class. Obviously, there's only three or four guys committed right now. But I think his recruitment could be a little fluid at this point. North Carolina could end up being a factor. South Carolina could end up being a factor. There's some other schools. I think Purdue's in the mix with him right now. So he could be a guy that depending on where Tennessee's able to go with this class, it could get pretty top-heavy at the skill position. He could end up moving somewhere else. But right now, I think he's I think he's probably a 70% lock to Tennessee, depending on how things play out. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, last question. Um, are there any guys under the radar, um, you know, part of the, either the 2019 or 2020 class, you could see that their recruitment kind of skyrocket um, here in the coming months, especially, you know, maybe over the course of next season? The, the one guy in the 2019 class is Kenny Solomon. Um, he's a He could play probably two or three different positions at the college level. Reports running a 4-3-6 out of Duke camp. Um, likely to play cornerback with his length. His recruitment's kind of taken off in recent in the recent weeks. Tennessee offered, Louisville offered, Rutgers has been in. So he's a guy that it could really take off here as teams get ready to start filling spots. Um, outside of that, for 2019, I don't see any other under-the-radar guys that you might see pop up. Tennessee did have an under-the-radar defensive end on campus this week, and his name slips my mind. But – I, I don't expect anything there. I think they can finish. I think they can finish with somebody that they've been recruiting a little longer there. Um, on the 2020 front, there's some under the radar guys that are already starting to blow up that I would expect Tennessee to be very active with. First coming from Chattanooga, Tennessee at Macaulay School is Jay Hardy. Um, seems like he's picked up every offer possible in the last month. Tennessee had him on campus, had a fellow teammate of his on campus. They would like to keep him in state, 
Georgia got in the mix. Oklahoma got in the mix. All indications are that Georgia made a big move when they offered, so that could turn out to be an interesting recruitment. Um, Jabari Jabari Small's another interesting guy in that class. Could see his recruitment take off. There's a little bit of size concern, but I think overall his skill set may end up leading to him getting a few more offers. Um, off the top of my head, there's probably not anybody else right now that I've really looked at that I thought may take off. Um, there's a teammate of Bryce Thompson's from Dutch, former teammate of Bryce Thompson's from Dutch Fork, Jalen Hyatt. He already has a couple of big offers. Tennessee had him on campus. Haven't saw where they offered, but Virginia Tech's on him pretty heavily. So it could get inter- that That's a recruitment that could get interesting. But other than that, right now, I, it's just going to be kind of a watch and wait. Things will really pick up after this 2019 cycle ends. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about Kenny Solomon. If you run a four three six and you have any concept of football, I'm offering you on the spot. Yeah, he he <laughs> reports a four three six at the Duke camp, and he has he has for sure ran a four four five laser time. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't suppose. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so, well, Matt, so he's a guy six two. He can move. Yeah, you know, I, I love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that kid moving orange, especially if you run a four three six. That's insane. Yep. All right, Matt. Well, I, we appreciate you coming on. Um, that's Matt Ray with Fall Recruiting Reports. Go follow him um, and check out all the content that he puts out there. He does a great job. So, Matt, we appreciate you. Have a good night, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Matt Ray of Vol Recruiting Reports. We appreciate him hopping on and just talking about this class is about to be rounded up in just uh, two weeks um, and then talking about 2020 class, what to expect, uh, and even some under-the-radar guys to, to keep a lookout for. Yeah, he does an excellent job. Um, I was telling you that he, he does um, some crystal ball predictions with you know local Tennessee media. I'm lucky enough to be a part of that and so it's really cool to see all the content he puts out so you know go follow him um you know me and him talk recruiting quite a bit actually so um go follow him um and you know just check out the site um he'll definitely keep you up to date on all the recruiting news for tennessee yeah absolutely we appreciate that um you've got some other football news for us yeah so tennessee added two preferred walk-ons um this week a uh, two-star inside linebacker from Northeast High School um, in the state of Tennessee, Devin Delhay, maybe something like that. Something, something there. Um, he is, uh, like I said, he's an inside linebacker, um, a pretty good athlete. You know, his recruitment didn't blow up, but he he's gone to some camps. You know, definitely an under radar guy, and, and just wanted to play for Tennessee because that's you know that was his dream to play. Um, in the orange and white. So good to see him get that preferred walk-on spot. And then another guy is Deontay um, Bochamp. Bochamp, maybe. Um, he's another inside linebacker as well. Um, only his recruitment didn't blow up. He's from Alabama, uh, but only played six games. Um, he played six games defensively in high school. Oh, wow. Um, and then now he's he's got a preferred walk-on spot at Tennessee. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out. You know, if you did that well enough in six games to get you a preferred walk-on at a big Division One school, right? 
I want to see what you got. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I mean, if you run a four three, you know that's cool too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> we'll take that. Anybody, um, and then um, Eli Wolf got an offer from Georgia. You know, oh, he, he's okay. he's in that NCAA transfer portal, the mysterious NCAA transfer portal. We don't really know anything about it. Yeah, no one does. If they if they think they know about it, they're lying because they don't. <laughs> um, but he got an offer from Georgia, so that's. Interesting. It is. It is very interesting, especially like just with how little he's contributed here. It was very interesting to get one from a, another SEC team. That's a division rival. That's yeah. So very interesting for sure. From uh, From needs some weapons. Absolutely. He apparently doesn't have enough. Yeah. Not enough talent on that roster for sure. Yeah. Nowhere near. No. <laughs> um. Terrible. Yeah. Looking at the NFL, it's actually Super Bowl week, and I know a lot of people are being you know dicks about it. I've I'm excited for the Super Bowl regardless. Obviously, I'm going to be a happier person if Tom Brady loses. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, everyone's like, I'm sick of seeing him there. We talked about how, like, he's the greatest of all time. I'm not really that sick of it. Like, you know you're going to see a good game from the Patriots every time. Yeah. So, it's not really – I'm not that sick of it. Yeah, and and I see that point as well. Like, I love LeBron, and people, like, hate on LeBron that he's always in the finals. Like, they, they don't want to see him on top, and I get that. So, like, I don't like Tom Brady, but, you know, just seeing greatness play out is yeah. is, is fun to watch. Right. And No matter how much you like him or don't. I mean, this is definitely – I'm really curious to see how Belichick and, and Tom attack this uh, this L.A. Rams defense because they're going to bring the house. Like, they're going to bring a lot of pressure throughout the game. Um, and so, and the, the fact of the matter is they don't have to bring a lot of pressure because they have four guys that are great. Defensive line. I was about to say, I should say, when they bring a lot of pressure, it's not that they're necessarily, you know, doing all these uh, special blitz packages or, or, you know, they're not, like you said, they're not having to bring more than four guys. You know, it's going to be four guys bringing bringing a lot of pressure, and and that's really about it. Um, So, I I was, you know, I'm curious to see how Belichick and Brady attack this offense. I'm also kind of curious to see how the L.A. Rams um, defend. Can they defend over the middle? I mean, if I'm a team right now, I'm making 41-year-old Tom Brady throw it outside the hashes and beat me there. Because yeah. he's definitely – he wants to throw it up the middle. That's for sure. Because he's 41. Because he's 41. Yeah. But those are the easy throws. Make yeah. him throw outside of those guys. Make make them – make their wide receivers go up and beat you on plays. Because the only one that's really just going to absolutely manhandle you one-on-one every time is, is Gronkowski. Yeah. So, curious to see what they do there. And then, you know, Jared Goff, who just hasn't been – he hasn't – like, he hasn't had an MVP season. You know, his no. teams, he's gotten, and he's done enough to get him there. And we talked about that with Peyton Manning the last time he won Super Bowl. He's done enough to get his team there. They've kind of taken care of the rest. Um, you know, what can, can Jared Goff take care of the ball? And then is Todd Gurley going to be healthy? I think are huge factors. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited for the game. Um, I mean, the Super Bowl is never disappointing. I think the only time I've watched a Super Bowl that I just would take back every day of the week is the 2014 Super Bowl. Um, that was when Peyton just got demolished Seahawks. by Seattle. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the only one I would take back uh, watching. But Peyton was in it, so of course I watched. Uh, also, you know, along with all the NFL, uh, you know, the end of the season comes around. We're going to talk some some awards. Oh, so we're not talking Pro Bowl. We're not talking Pro Bowl. Good, good. Because I mean, that's terrible. I will say this: the I was kind of excited that it was kind of cool. I think they should do this format for now on if they're going to do it the way they do it, like in terms of like. It's just cheat, you know. It's an event where there's no real tackling. When the offensive players were playing defense, that was exciting. I think they should just if they're going to do that, they need to switch roles. So you know, like a safety plays quarterback, and then 
Like, that was cool. Do that if you're going to do that. So, if NFL players, if they switch their um, – if they switch from offense to defense, can they come back to college and still have four years left of eligible? Yeah, I think so. So, Alvin Kamara should come back and play the end. The end. Or the end. Did you not see him off the edge? I didn't. Taylor Luan couldn't even stop him off the edge. He had a sack against Russell Wilson. Oh. I mean, technically it wasn't a sack because they're playing two-hand touch, so they let him throw it. But, like, he got to the, he got there before Russell released the ball. On Taylor Luan, which I, mean, I hate I, him. So I'll take him. Yeah, Taylor Luan is yeah. the worst. Yeah, hate him. He's um, like Richard Sherman. Yeah, he's except not – he hadn't won anything significant. At least yeah. Richard Sherman would, like, actually shut people down and win stuff. Yeah. So, I'll give Richard Sherman that. Give him that. But looking at Player of the Year awards, um, I, I don't know what you want to start with first. I guess Coach of the Year. Yeah. Start with that. Um, I've got uh, Matt Nagy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for us to agree. Uh, just the turnaround that the Bears have had. I think you could put a lot of – I think there's a lot of great coaches in the NFL right now, um, especially like great young younger coaches. And I yeah. think Sean McVay kind of leads that charge. Just what he what he's done with the Rams in the last two years, but we're looking at this year alone. Um, I'm just kind of using Isn't it crazy that Sean McVay and Julian Edelman played against each other? People are like, I can't believe that's going to be a storyline. I was like, like, that's kind of a cool storyline. Yeah. Like, Edelman has potential to be an impact player on a Super Bowl team, and Sean McVay is coaching against him. And they played against each other. They both played quarterback, correct? I think. I thought McVay played wide receiver. I maybe did. But Edelman played, yeah. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I thought. And now Edelman's playing receiver. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, yeah, I've got Matt Nagy. Just the turnaround that that Bears team has had, and it helped tremendously – that that defense was able to add Cleo Mack because of the, you know, just inept strategies of Oakland. But, I mean, that helped for sure. But the Bears went from, I can't remember how bad their record was. 5-11. Five, five to a, to a, a year that, you know, they were they were a double doink. Is that what they're calling it? I don't know. What is the, that? The field goal? Oh, yeah. The double doink away from being in the divisional round. Like, I mean – they, they did a really good job of getting there. And I, I thought Mitch Trubisky was, was handled much, much better this year yeah, under Matt Nagy. For sure. So, I mean, hats off to him and what, what he's been able to do. Yeah, and, you know, I found this funny. They um, So, Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes all took a picture together at the Pro Bowl. And the caption was like, they said this was a terrible quarterback draft class. <laughs> and now it's three of it, – it, it, Yeah. Three great quarterbacks. I would maybe not great, but good quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean the they're other good one, enough Trubisky, to make the Mahomes and who Watson. Watson. Yeah, yeah. I think the only one that surprised me is, is Trubisky because, and I mean I think Trubisky had some of the intangibles, but I mean it's I mean think about how hard it would have to be from playing just very little of competitive at that speed to go into the NFL where it gets even faster. Yeah, and, and I mean it did take him a year to adjust, and I mean he still wasn't like you said. Great's not a word you can throw on it, but um, so I mean, still not. He didn't have like a you know an incredible year, but just for what he was able to do this year, he definitely has proved a lot of people wrong, yeah. So. And, and not a lot of help at receiver either, no, because as soon as they got there, they got rid of Alshon Jeffrey, yeah. Um, so he was like, Well, that's my number one target <laughs> gone. Um, go offensive player of the I year, I guess, yeah, offensive player of the year. You go ahead. Um, I'm gonna go Drew Brees. I think thirty-two touchdowns, five interceptions. That wins it for me. That's fair. I mean, I I don't disagree, but I am going Todd Gurley. Okay. Um, just what he what he's been able to do on that on that Rams team. Um, if you look at the weeks where I think he his name could be in the mix for MVP. Obviously, there's better candidates, but I think his name's in the mix there because I think if you look at the games that he didn't perform well or he sat out, the Rams struggled. 
Yeah, especially offensively, but as a whole, they struggled because I mean that's tempo of the game when you when you got a running back like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, he's he's my offensive player of the year. Let's go defense. Uh, defense player of the year, I'm going to go Aaron Donald of the Rams as well. Um, a guy that just inserted himself in the league. I feel like um, he's always been around there, but I feel like this year he has really made his mark on, on a team that's going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year or this week. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Aaron Donald as well. 20 sacks, four forced fumbles. Crazy. Yeah. He's, um, and and back, he's done it back to back. And he's done it with a line that, you know, I feel like when you've got talent across that line, it's tough to kind of stand yeah. out above anybody else, and he has. Yeah, and like those four guys that, or those other three guys that are on that line would probably be the best defensive lineman on any other team. Yeah. Or close to it. You got Brockers, you got uh, Adam Kinsu, Dante Fowler. That's just a crazy defensive line. And good Lord, watch out, Tom Brady. <laughs> right. And if you talk about, you know, uh, a listener interview with Chris Long, and I mean, obviously the stats are why Aaron Donald was able to win that uh, award this year, or will probably win that award this year and did for us. Um, is his stats. But, I mean, if you talk to Chris Long, he that interview with him, uh, he talked about how he's the only guy in the league that can go into a play, and he's got, like, three moves ready. First one doesn't work, he immediately goes to number two. And then second one doesn't work, he immediately goes to number three. And that's why he's able to consistently create chaos and, and get in the backfield. He said most, most D linemen, this is coming from a pretty good D lineman, um, most D linemen go in with one move in mind to, you know, whatever the play call is going to. And if that doesn't happen, it's kind of abandon all and, and hope you make a difference in the play. Whereas Aaron Donald's able to create, uh, create out of nothing almost. So he's just a phenomenal player. Yeah. And a freak athlete at that. Right. Offensive rookie. Offensive rookie. What do you got? Saquon. Barkley. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll see why I didn't go him for offensive rookie. And, I mean, it's unfair, but I feel like I'm just going to vote someone different. I'm not going to give anyone multiple awards. So, I'm going to go Baker Mayfield for that reason. Um, just what he was able to do with the Browns this year. Um, which it helps when you – it helps it helps with any team when you have a change of pace. They had a change of pace with a different starting quarterback and a different coach this year. Um, so, they kind of had that two jolt. Uh, but usually when you bring in a different guy, it kind of creates uh, urgency. And um, change is usually good. And he was able to come in and make the most of that, and I think proved a lot, prove a ton of people wrong. I mean, I don't, I still don't think he's the first overall pick, um, but a lot of people were talking about how they didn't think he was a first round pick, um, and he's definitely already proven some people wrong. Yeah, I just think two thousand scrimmage yards, um, ninety one catches, only three rookies have uh, surpassed two thousand um, scrimmage yards in their first season, and that's Edron James and Eric Dickerson. So, yeah. pretty good. Good company right there, yeah. for sure. Uh, defensive rookie, I've got Bradley Chubb of the Broncos. Ooh. Um, he's He created a ton of sacks. I feel like he did. Um, he made that Denver Broncos defense a lot better when he was on it. Um, so, I, I mean, ah, sorry. Guess what, my, but he, he was able to create a lot, and I – I feel like every game um, and almost every defensive play, you were talking about what a difference maker he was making um, on whatever side of the, the line of scrimmage he was playing on. Uh, I'm going to go Darius Leonard of the Colts, um, linebacker from the Colts. Was a second-round draft pick. Not a lot of people knew um, about him. Went to a small school, South Carolina State. Um, 163 tackles, seven sacks, two interceptions. Um, I think he led the NFL in tackles. Yeah. So you can't deny him of – um, what a great season he had, and 
you know, a Colts offense has been pretty terrible um, the past couple of seasons. For him to just show out like that is pretty remarkable. Right. Did you want to go rookie of the year? Like just a rookie or did we talk about that? Oh, I just thought they had okay. offensive. And they do, but I was I had Saquon as my rookie, oh, so that's you. why he wasn't my offensive. Gotcha. Um, because yeah, he like you mentioned the. the two, I'll, I'll, if we were doing that, months. I probably would have done the same thing you did. Yeah. So uh, that's that's why I have uh, Saquon as my rookie. Um, but then MVP, this this was tough. Um, I mean, definitely could have been Drew Brees. I feel like, and but I just feel like what Patrick Mahomes has done this year. I feel like he's really asserted himself as the MVP of of, of this season. Um, obviously, a great team around him, uh, but not only does he have the stats to go with it, I think it ended, I think he ended with fifty. I didn't look up the stats um, to write down, but I think he ended up with fifty TDs and just eleven interceptions. Um, the stats he's thrown up, and then the highlights he's thrown up, just an incredible player, incredible athlete um, that I imagine we'll see along see around here for a long time. Yeah, so. 5,907 or 5,097 yards, 12 interceptions, um, 50 touchdowns. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I, this, this team and this, this Chiefs team got infinitely better too when you went from Alex Smith to him too. Yeah. So, and, it, and they were shown. a decent team before that. Yeah. And I feel like they were, um, you know, a couple of plays away from being in the Super Bowl last year. Or, or this, this year. year for yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. This year, I mean, you know, obviously, like, you, you know, a lot of people say it came down to a coin flip, and that that's somewhat fair. I think either all, whatever offense started would have won it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think last year they were just a couple of plays away from being a really good team, and Patrick Mahomes came in and created those few plays. And that's yeah, what and really how good. perfect of a match is, um, Patrick Mahomes' arm and Tyree Kill at receiver. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a match made in heaven. Right, just launch that sucker and let him go get it. Right. Have you seen him hit a golf ball? Yeah, it's insane. And the way oh like, my, he's just a, he's a freak athlete, man. Dude. He's a freak athlete. Like it, it's over, right? Yeah. He hit that thing over. Uh, th- uh the one that he hit, I think, still, yeah. And then he was launching them though off the like as they were rolling. Yeah, like freak athlete. I want to say, and that's with a crappy club. I want to say him like with a good club. I bet he can play golf. Yeah. I bet he can do it. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, I feel like baseball helps with golf a little bit with the power and hand-eye coordination, yeah. but it didn't look, you know, too much like a baseball swing. No. I think the only way it looked kind of like a baseball swing is how high he started. Um, but, I mean, everything else. And, and he, he did kick, he did like kick back kind of kick a little into bit. It. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it looked – I mean, it looked super fluid. I mean, he was hitting them clean. He was squaring them Yeah. Off, so – it was it was definitely very impressive. Um, that's all we got for NFL. I think. Do you got yeah. anything else for the Super Bowl? Or I feel like we would cover it next or on Wednesday or okay. Thursday. Yeah, that's anyway, fine. So um, we'll do that. Jumping into our segment, so we got most important of the week. I need to find one. I didn't have one. I have some. I have several fails. I have I most important. important. Uh, the 2019 Baseball Hall of Fame class: Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay. Edgar Martinez and Mike Messina um, going to Cooperstown. They yeah. um, implemented their careers, and you know what a career. You know, I just want to point out Mariano Rivera because he is um, he was a Yankee, as was Mike Messina. But I have his um, autograph. Thanks, thank you, Brody. Um, so he's a 13-time All Star, five-time World Series champion, three-time MLB saves leader. Um, he has an MLB record with 653 saves 
World Series MVP in 99, um, and then a postseason ERA of .70. Um, And the first ever unanimous first ballot MLB Hall of Famer. Crazy. It is. Yeah, 42. A lot of people thought that was crazy. Last person to wear 42. Oh, yeah. Um, After, you know, he retired, no one else will ever wear 42 again. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I don't have any, I don't have any most importance, but I have a few fails. I have uh, another most important. Okay. Go ahead with that and then we'll um, jump into fail. Well, I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. Go ahead. Um, so my first fail is the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if you saw that kind of big article, just kind of exposing the, uh, is anonymous article. So it may be not entirely fair, but kind of exposing how the Browns operate, um, and kind of what's been going on in that program. Um, one thing that made me laugh really hard was that the Cleveland Browns one week accidentally put porn on all the screens in their complex because they would, I guess, run through like hashtags and they accidentally hashtagged, um, they were trying to hashtag dog pound and they just hit hashtag DP. And apparently that is a hashtag for porn for, um, a type of porn. Um, did not know that. So that was, yeah. So you don't ever hashtag DP. You'll be in trouble. Um, you'd be in a lot of trouble there. The old wife, I'd imagine, if you just put that on the on the yeah. television. Um, but yeah, apparently it stayed up on the screen way screens way too long. So pretty 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 Cleveland Brownsy of them. Yeah, I'm glad they're staying on brand. That's good. Yeah, know your brand. Yeah. Um, fell week. Um. Oh, Jason Witten. Back at it again. Um, first of all, he is too because the Pro Bowl just wasn't good for Jason Witten. First, um, Patrick Mahomes throws a touchdown to Eric Ebron. Um, Patrick Mahomes plays for the Chiefs and Eric Ebron plays for the Colts. Just a little backstory. Um, Jason Witten says Ebron was his guy all year. Uh, that was one of my fails. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's incredible. Wow. And then um, tries to give Patrick Mahomes all this. Maybe just him and Patrick Mahomes aren't meant to be together. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, he was going to give him the trophy, him and Jamal Adams. Lifts up the trophy, and it uh, just, like, breaks. Yeah, the top and bottom are not connected as one. Yeah. Yeah, and their faces, Jamal Adams and uh, Mahomes. Mahomes, their faces were cl- classic. It's like, <laughs> oh, like, you, oh, You're shit. You're an idiot. Yeah. Oh, shit. I did have the most important, by the way. Um, I'm going to go through my lot. Did I have one more fail? I thought I did. Oh, yeah. I have one more fail. I do have the most important, though. I'll read that after this. Um, Corey Brewer kicked Torrey Craig in the head after hanging on the rim. Did you see that? Uh-uh. So, you know how the new thing is, like, what how Jordan Bowden kind of dunks all the time? Just kind of like you swing under and then back through. And, like, they, you know, everybody's like, you know, I'm waiting for them to get under. Well, um, Torrey Craig didn't move out of the way, so Corey Brewer hung on the rim and came back and kicked him in the back of the head. Nice. Yeah, so he got a flagrant one for that. Um, or maybe a technical for hanging on the rim. I can't remember. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was pretty good. So, humorous. Corey Brewer just gets a technical and Kareem Hunt gets, I'm just kidding, that's not even the same thing. Um, donkey kick. Or yeah. dong punch. Was it a dong punch? No, it was a, it was a donkey kick. Okay. It was a donkey kick. Dong punch, you gotta, you gotta score with it, I feel like. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did have most important. Um, this was, this one is to the Clemson Intramural basketball team led by T. Higgins. It is pretty much the, you know, all the athletes on the Clemson football team play on an intramural basketball team. Um, it's – I can't remember how to say the running back's name. Travis um, – I pronounced it correctly one time on the show. I was pretty impressed with myself. 
It's the weird one. E E T I E T N E T N E T N. Justin Ross, DeAndre Overton, Jalen Lay, William Bryce, Jordan Williams, Niles Pickney, Cornell Powell, T Higgins, Isaiah Simmons, and Rashawn Smith are all on the same basketball team. And then there was a video sent out later of T Higgins completely like pretty much hurtling a guy and dunking it. I think he missed the dunk. T Higgins was one of the best basketball players in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, he won Mr. Basketball. Yeah. And he's playing on an interim basketball team. At a, I mean, I think that roster could beat Clemson's team. If they, if you gave them like a month with a good coach, I feel like yeah. they could beat Clemson's team. I mean, you know, Justin, you know Justin Ross is a freak athlete. Yeah. And Clemson's terrible. That helps. I feel like that team finishes like at least six in the ACC this year. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be Wake Forest. <laughs> It'd be fun to watch for sure. be fun to watch. Um, I have another show. Okay. Um, I don't know if you saw the handshake between Floyd Mayweather and um, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, I did. That was very awkward. Um, that was the weirdest handshake of all time, um, and that was one of my fails. Also, I have another one. Adam Schefter tweeted um, that Rams quarterback um, Nikhil Roby Coleman, who uh, delivered the hit on the Saints wide receiver Tommy Lee Lewis, was fined $26,739 for his helmet-to-helmet that was not flagged during the NFC Championship. They still haven't spoke on that either. That's what's wild. Yeah, so it's a fail for me because I think it makes the NFL look soft. What do you mean? I just think, like, you didn't call it, but you're going to find somebody. Yeah, and someone someone brought up a good point, I guess, that, like, a lot of times players in the NFL won't get that targeting call won't always go. They'll just catch it after because they don't only eject professional, so they'll just find them later. So it's a lot of those times those targeting calls, but I just I can't believe the NFL hadn't spoken on it. Yeah, that's what's caught. Like Goodell, like you know good like and well that was a terrible call, and you haven't spoken a bit on it. That's yeah. what's crazy to me. Goodell's a pansy. He, he's the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, terrible commissioner. Um, I do have one more. Uh, most important, Greg. I just remember this. Greg Berhalter. Uh, he won three zero in his debut as the U.S. Men's National Team coach. So hopefully we're on the right path to. Uh, to make it to the Olympics in 2022. Uh, I'll be there. I don't want to be sitting at home in, like I did in 2018 um, because that sucked. I want the U.S. men's national team to be in Qatar in 2022. We'll be there. Sure. I would love that. Actually, I wouldn't. It's supposed to be like 120 degrees during the, hot, during the hottest part of the day. Yep. Won't be there. Yeah. So, I'm out. Yep. I'm out. Like a light. <laughs> um, yeah, this is all we got. Uh, tomorrow, Tennessee tips off, or when you listen to this, tonight, Tennessee tips off against South Carolina um, away in Columbia, and then they travel to College Station to face Texas A&M. We'll talk more about that on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, whatever you want to say. So, Looking we, forward to it. Yeah, we appreciate you guys listening to us. We're still number one, and we're bringing the boat in, and we out. <laughs>